The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Here ends the gospel of our Lord. Well, dear saints, today's lesson is about baptism, temptation, repentance, and this season we have just begun, the season of Lent. It's about our journey of life and Jesus' journey to the cross. In Mark, we hear of Jesus' baptism. Then immediately the Spirit descends and the Father speaks. Immediately the Spirit sends Jesus into the wilderness, and he is tempted to deny God and to rely on himself and to worship the evil foe. Jesus does not succumb to temptation, and he resists Satan for us. Our journey of faith also begins in baptism, by water and the Spirit. As Christ was tempted after his baptism, so too are we. For in our sinful state, before our baptism, before we are claimed by Christ and have the gospel proclaimed to us, temptation is not a factor. For sin reigns before we are claimed by Christ. We have no regard for doing God's will. We have no desire to resist evil. So we are free to sin without the need of temptation. But after baptism, after our adoption, after Christ has placed his mark on us, after we have heard the gospel, temptation begins. Because Satan knows that he has lost another soul and he wants to win it back. <laughs> Picture this. A boy was sitting under a farmer's apple tree. The farmer sees him and approaches the boy and asks, what are you doing? Are you trying to steal my apples? And the young boy, he replies, no, sir, I'm trying not to. Relying on our own strength, we are no match for many of life's temptations. Just because our Lord won the victory over Satan in the wilderness, it doesn't mean that we will always be victorious as well. The devil seeks to make bad things look good and to make the good look dull 
and uninviting. The word devil actually means to split apart. Satan seeks to split you apart from God by getting you to spend less and less time with God and going to worship less and less frequently. By keeping you away from God's house, Satan gets you to focus on your difficult-to-solve problems instead of him, instead of God, who is greater than all of your problems combined. God, he can deal with every problem that comes your way in a way that strengthens your faith and allows you to be closer to him. But Satan, the evil foe, he wants us to think that virtues like obeying God and his word are no longer relevant in our modern world. He peddles half-truths, implying that today's problems are too difficult for Jesus to help us with. Satan puts dangerous thoughts into our minds like, you have more important things to do than pray every day. Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His own concern is to keep us from praying and he fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks our wisdom. But I tell you, he trembles. He trembles when we pray. Never underestimate the power of prayer. And Satan, he'll suggest to you, why shouldn't you have a life in ease of comfort? He whispers in your ear, you owe it to yourself, don't you? But I ask you, I ask you to ignore that self-centered suggestion and instead take heed of what God's word says. Each of us, must please our neighbor for the good purpose of building up her or him. Romans 15, 2. Often it's easier to choose between what's good and what's obviously bad rather than to choose between what's good and what could be much better, especially when it comes to the way that Christ acts and how God is concerned. Sure, it's good to rest on Sundays. But it's infinitely better to go to God's house and to hear his message for you for the week ahead. God has a message tailor-made to your needs. Either it's in the prayers of the day, it's in this sermon, or it's in the hymns and the songs chosen for you today. Sure, life is full of tests, and there's no getting around that. Tests of the body, of the heart, and of the mind. And sometimes, well, we see those tests coming. But at other times, they will sneak up on us. Times of temptation, I'll tell you, they often follow times of spiritual exhilaration. And it was like that. It was like that for our Lord, Immediately after the exhilarating moment of his baptism, when the heavens were torn open and the Spirit descended on him 
and his heavenly father affirmed his identity and gave his seal of approval to Jesus' mission, he is driven out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to test his sense of mission. Jesus had been fasting for 40 days, the only occasion on which he fasted, so that he knows what it's like when we are starving and hungry. To show that he's truly God's son, Satan wants Jesus to turn stones into bread. But in saying no, despite his physical need, Jesus declares that it's wrong to seek food via miraculous means when it can be obtained by means of human labor. Jesus once said on another occasion, my food is to do the will of God who sent me. John 4, 34. Jesus uses the weapon of God's word to put Satan back in his box and to show how he identifies with us. Humans don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus pictures God in constant conversation with his world through his word. And Jesus's reply doesn't mean that we have no need of food, our daily bread. Rather, he is called to speak God's word to us, which is about more than food. And in light of eternity, can there be anything more important than hearing and obeying God's word? Your words were found and I ate them and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. Jeremiah 15, 16. Jesus came to meet our deepest needs rather than his own. Jesus experienced firsthand hunger, thirst, tiredness, frustration, being misunderstood and reprimanded by those closest to him and even fear of death. He is able, therefore, to sympathize with us when we face temptation as well, because he himself suffered and he has been tempted. He is able to help those who are also tempted. Hebrews 2.18 Jesus understands how persuasive temptations can sound. When we say yes to temptation, our dear Savior doesn't reject us or give up on us, but he longs to forgive us and strengthen us against our future temptations. Therefore, our Lord counsels us, watch and pray, lest you give in to temptation, for the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Matthew twenty-six forty-one. We should be reminded here of the petition from the Lord's Prayer. And lead us not into temptation. Now in his teachings of the small catechism, Luther explains that God tempts no one to sin. But we do pray in this petition that God may so guard and preserve us that the devil, the world, and our flesh may not deceive us or mislead us into unbelief 
despair, or other great and shameful sins, but that although we may be so tempted, we may finally prevail and gain the victory. For Luther and for St. Mark, it's not God who does the tempting. God leads us on the path of truth and righteousness, but it is the devil, the world, and our flesh that tempt us to sin. They tempt us by whispering in our ears and saying things like, Jesus' words, they're not trustworthy. Did God really say? How could one man's life 2,000 years ago be relevant to you today? You don't deserve his gifts. You don't really love him, do you? It's not a big deal. The world has changed, and that sin doesn't matter anymore. You must work harder for your salvation. It's up to you. (laughs) Wow. We are tempted. But we're not tempted because we are wicked. We are tempted because we are the light of the world. And we are the salts of the earth. We are of strategic importance for maintaining and advancing Christ's cause. If we are tempted often, it may be because we have a strong faith, which is, in Satan's eyes, worthy of attack, as to undermine Christ's cause. If we are tempted often, it may be because we have a strong faith, which, in Satan's eyes, is worthy of attack, so as to undermine Christ's cause. God lets our faith be tested in order to strengthen it or to reveal to us areas in which it needs to be strengthening from his word so that it can grow and flourish. God tests our faithfulness to him, desiring a good outcome, while Satan tempts us in the hope that we will fail. If we had never been tested. We would never know victory over temptation. And if we never knew victory, we would never know the joy of being overcomers. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Aware of our own vulnerability, we will more readily sympathize with others who have given into temptation, and we will pray for them, even as Jesus is praying for us. Many of us become complacent in our faith. We look to the world and find in it such compelling evidence that we walk away from our Savior who suffered the righteous for the unrighteous to bring us to God. So after being brought to God by our Savior, What do we do? We walk away and follow the ways of this world. And others of us are so turned in on ourselves that Satan need not do any work at all. We continue in our sin, happily breaking each and every commandment, succumbing to our own fleshy temptation and refusing ever to repent. Or we do repent with our best intentions, yet when we walk out that door, we slip back into our evil ways right away. 
brothers and sisters in Christ, we must return to the cross, to our walk of faith. When we are tempted by the evil foe, the world and our sinful self, we must flee to our Lord, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We need to cling to the words of Jesus. Like when he proclaimed, in the world you will face troubles, but be of good cheer. I have defeated the world. John 16, God's word reassures you. God's spirit who is in you is greater than the devil who is in the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. Who is it that conquers the world? But the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. 1 John 4. We must return to the cross, for that is the task of Lent. To turn away from our own sins, temptations, agendas, and to turn back to our Savior on the cross. Lent is about repenting of our turning away from God and turning back with a good conscience granted by our Savior Jesus Christ in our baptism. The task of Lent is to repent of our unbelief and our lack in trust to believe He has done all of this for us that he has taken on our flesh, that he has been baptized, that he walked through the wilderness, that he experienced and resisted all manner of temptations and even in the face of death did not turn back. But he turned his face to Jerusalem and he followed the path all the way to the cross, all for you. Our journey of Lent follows Jesus's journey. We follow him through our baptism into our temptations right to his cross. Yet our journey, it doesn't end in death. Our journey ends in resurrection as Jesus shares his resurrection with us. We don't receive what we deserve, that is eternal death, but we receive what he deserves, eternal life with God. Now, as we take this journey of Lent again this year, and we lift our eyes to Jesus, our Savior on the cross, we must always, always be aware that Lent really is a condensed form of our Christian lives. Our baptism, well, it's not just relevant in this season. Our temptations are not limited to Lent alone. Our sin is not limited to this season of Lent. And our spiritual disciplines should not be condensed down into this 40 days prior to Easter. This is a season to hone our spiritual disciplines to be reminded of them so that we might make them a habit, a habit throughout our years of dying to ourselves, 
and raising again to new life each day in righteousness and purity forever. Now I ask you, as you join Jesus on his journey to the cross, would you consider how the disciplines of prayer, of fasting and giving to the needy help you focus on Jesus during this season of Lent? By reading the word, by reading of Jesus' suffering and his death, you are immediately looking to him and away from yourself. You could also be free in that time to serve your neighbor with acts of love and kindness. Every temptation that you have experienced is the kind that normally comes to people. But God, God keeps his promise and he will not allow you to be tested beyond your power to remain firm. At the time that you are put to the test, he will give you the strength to endure it and so provide you with a way out. 1 Corinthians 10. I'll tell you, the spiritual disciplines were never meant to focus on you and yourself. We are good enough at doing that already. Spiritual disciplines are supposed to make you look outside of yourself, to look to Jesus and to your neighbor, to see in Jesus Christ the pain and suffering that he endured for you, the temptations that he resisted so that he could bring us to God with a pure and clean conscious. And what an incredible gift that is. Our Father, who art in heaven, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now may the peace of God, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.